0: prove hard to come by, and the losses are still piling up. That is the current state of Inter Miami. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, a.k.a. Miami Total Football Radio. I am Franco Panizo, half of your co-hosting team of this lovely podcast, the number one podcast that covers Inter Miami. And joining me, as always, is El Primo, Steve Brenner. Steve, how are you doing? I know you're excited for England. Unfortunately, Peru went out at the Copa America. There's still a third-place game to be played, but their run at the title is over. England is still alive and running, so I imagine you are still very excited and probably on pins and needles. Yeah, yes, excited,
1: but yeah, nervous. Um, yeah, it's going to be – you know, England haven't got to a final. I'm pretty much repeating this, as I do with about the class of 92 and, <laughs> and uh, what or else Ryan Shawcross is, is that um, England have not actually – got to a final since 1966, and that is their only final in a major tournament. So um, not in my lifetime has this happened. So uh, it always tends to end in tears, but we never actually get to, get to the final. I so think if we get to the final, then I think that could be deemed a success, but we shall wait and see.
0: Denmark will be an interesting test. Denmark will be a, a good a good test. I think it'll be a good game. Yes. The, la- the last game, England just steamrolled. Yeah, Ukraine, it, Ukraine. Was, um,
1: it was just no drama. A Couple of goals, a goal so early on I could sit back enjoy my beer Um, you know it was very sort of on England like major finals they just absolutely killed them but um Anyway, when people were listening to this, the game would already have been finished and done, and the, the verdicts will be sealed. So, so hopefully people will um, be
0: celebrating for you, or people will be cheering um, your frustration and, and sadness because I'd, obviously there's some people that uh, that have left comments saying that they don't they don't want England to do well. <laughs> um, well but let's. We
1: should find out who they are. Well, you know who
0: they are. Oh, so. yeah. You, you know, their faces are there. Um, but let's talk about Inter-Miami because that's what this podcast is about. Of course, we do touch on other aspects of football at times, but let's focus on Inter-Miami because they played a game this we weekend. We have to, yeah. I guess, <laughs> <against, laughs> yeah. Given their string of results, we, we have to dissect another defeat, a 1-0 loss to CF Montreal. We don't have any game to preview, so we'll we'll skip that part. This will be a shorter pod This week, we'll come back next week and preview the game ahead. But Steve, we have a good bit to talk about because we saw some more alarming trends, concerning trends from Inter Miami and yet another defeat. So plenty to dissect and chew on. So Steve, let's get to it. All right, Steve. So Inter Miami, like I just mentioned, lost yet again. Fifth straight defeat for Inter Miami. This was a 1-0 road loss. Away to CF Montreal, this game was played at Red Bull Arena in Harrison, New Jersey, a venue we are familiar with from our days in the Northeast. But Inter Miami went up there because this game was removed or moved out of Drive Pink Stadium due to the Gold Cup preliminary matches. It was scheduled to be an away game anyway, so I don't think that they were going to open the doors at Drive Pink Stadium to the fans. Regardless, it was moved to Red Bull Arena. There were no fans in the stands ncf Montreal came out on top with a one zero win. Goal comes in the forty first minute from Matthew Chonier, And Inter Miami never really musters up much in the final third to to offer a response. Gotali did have a look late off of a free kick that was quickly taken, but that was pretty much pretty much it for Inter Miami in terms of trying to get back into, into the game. Let's quickly go over the lineup and then we'll we'll discuss our takeaways, Inter-Miami came out in its regular 4-2-3-1 formation, and that was with John McCarthy in goal, Kelvin Leardem at right back, Nicolas Figal at right center back, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez at left center back, I'm dubbing that the Argentine wall, I like what I've seen from them in that center back position, but left back was Christian McCune, that first line of the midfield was Gregory as the 6, Blaise Matuidi as the eight. Lewis Morgan on the right side of the second line of the midfield. Jay Chapman at the 10. Breck Shea on the left and up top was Julian Carranza. Gonzalo Iguain and Rodolfo Pizarro were both on the bench. They came into the game during the second half. So we got to see a bit of them mixed showing from both of them. But we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit. Steve, what was your main takeaway from this match? Yet another defeat and yet another one via shutout.
1: Yeah, just more more of the same, isn't it? You know, it's just this. Just this was like we're watching the game on on repeat. The same old problems that we've been talking about. Unfortunately, for for a few weeks, they can't create enough chances. They can't score, and then, then they're kind of not as solid as the back as we we hope. You know, they would be. I still think that the defense can be remedied. I think they have the numbers there where eventually they they could, you know, they could sort of shut up shop a bit more and, and be better. But it's just the most worrying aspect is the fact of the. You know, the uh, the lack of goals, lack of sort of creativity. Lewis Morgan's gone really quiet. We know about the problems with, you know, the DPs that hasn't worked. You know, Carranza, what a great chance he's had in the last few weeks to really stake his claim, especially, you know, with, with Iguane dropped, you know, this is was his chance to to shine. Just hasn't, you know, he has he hasn't taken it. Um, so it's kind of, yeah sort of depressing, disappointing, wasn't it? That they just hadn't seemed to have learned too much from what had gone on the last few weeks and it's just more of the the same, back to the drawing board, same old problems.
0: Yeah, it's a tough place to be in. I think we've said that definitely last week. Tough place for for Phil Noble to be in because he's obviously stressing, trying to be compact and tough to play against, but in doing so, he's taken out, or he hasn't had Two DPs available from the start Or has chosen not to play them from the start And because of that They've lost quality Now, how much quality did they have Even when they were in the lineup When they were getting beat 3-0 by CF Montreal I mean, we could, we've could we debated that and talked about that But, you know, this team is in a very bad way um, And there don't, there don't seem to be very many solutions like, Because they've tried different things Just different formations being thrown out at different times Different players in different places And it's just not working. It's just not clicking, especially up top, especially up top, because this was the fourth time in this losing streak of five games in which Inter-Miami was shut out. Now, I do want to talk, talk about the other side of the ball, the defense, and why the team gave up so many chances in that first half and why they eventually conceded and lost this game. But let's start with the attack, because I think that's a bigger trend that we've seen. Like I just said, four out of the last five games, they've been held without a goal. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that that's the sixth time this season that they've been held without a goal. Inter-Miami has the worst, statistically speaking, the worst attack in the league right now. Has nine goals on the year through 11 games. That's terrible. That's awful by any measure. Yes, the DPs haven't always been available, et cetera, et cetera. But nine goals is just awful. Steve, for you, what are the issues in the attack? What do you think is missing? What is Inter-Miami not doing well? What do they need to do better?
1: Well, they need someone to score some goals, don't they? I mean, look, he's. I think he's He's tried to do something with Higuain. It didn't work. Then he dropped him. So that then tried to say he's saying to Carranza, right, you, you have a go. He, he just he hasn't – Carranza hasn't done it. Higuain is not fit. Lewis Morgan has kind of been off the pace for whatever reason we don't know really, but he just he hasn't been the same player as he was, you know, back last season. He was the he was the goal threat, wasn't he? You know, when this was pre-Iguain. I mean, Pizarro was in his pomp then, if you could call it that. But at least he was playing okay. Um, it just it's it just cries out for like a personnel change, doesn't it? Different players to come in maybe because I don't I don't know. I mean, he's like, they're obviously trying to offload Pizarro. They're going to have to get rid of one other other player. Uh, to balance the books a bit. And then, you know, um yeah, it's it's a very, very difficult situation. They just don't create enough. And that's the, been the problem for the last whole time, basically, the club have been here, right?
0: I mean, it's been a recurring issue, but you even just said it yourself. Lewis Morgan has regressed. Now, yep. when the whole team is not playing well, right, you could chalk it up to players. But we've seen some of these players perform. We saw them perform last year. How much of that's on Phil Noble? How much do you think he's not getting the most out of the players or not putting them in, in their best positions to succeed? Because, look, in this game, one takeaway that I had was Lewis Morgan did not play wide that much. He was taking up central positions. Maybe that was a result or a byproduct or a tactic because of Kelvin Leardam's ability to get forward and make overlapping runs. And maybe he was tasked with providing the width from the right side more so than Lewis Morgan. But Lewis Morgan was taking up spots in the middle, and I don't think that that's his best position or the area where you're going to get the most out of Lewis Morgan. I think what we saw last year, playing the balls into space, letting him run onto them or, or trying to go at people one-on-one out wide to send in crosses or take shots from those positions, I think that's where he's most effective. And in this one, if you if you look at the heat map, his heat map, he's tucked in a little, in a little more central pockets or central areas a little bit more, which is... Again, for me, not not the best place to use him. So, how much of this lack of scoring do you put on Phil Neville and how he's coaching the team?
1: He's a, he's a big boy. He's a co- he's the coach. He knows the buck the buck you know lies with him. I mean, he's ten you know ten games in. So, I guess it you know it's it's early. It's still early in his sort of tenure, so to speak. But um, you know, I'm sure he understands exactly. that yeah, he has to try. And, he has to try and work it out. That's that's the job, and that's what makes these jobs in MLS you know even tougher than potentially managing elsewhere in the world because you can't free as freely you know bring in bring in players and and, and make some changes if you need to um because of everything you know the guy like the rules of mls so um it's it's a difficult one yeah but he knows that he knows that he probably knows that he has to they have to start picking up results otherwise if they're if the if they you know they don't finish in the play in, at least in the playoffs and they're going to have some serious questions that are going to be asked
0: See, that wasn't the question I had for you. I asked you how much you put on Phil Novel for this. because yeah, I, He's the coach.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's the coach. I mean, I don't know. I, I do think he was handed... A, a but this team, this
0: team is doing worse than it was doing last year. This team has DPs from the start. This team, you know, they, you could say whatever their situations, individual situations are now. This team has DPs, three DPs. This team has players that on paper should be doing a lot better than they are. Last year, they finished in 10th place, made the playoffs because of the expanded playoff field, but they finished in 10th place. This team right now, Inter-Miami, is the second worst team in the league, and they're only above Toronto FC, who just fired their coach after 11 games. So, I think this team is, you know, it's not a, it's not a team. I don't see players that, like, fight for the coach, or, you know, there are those cliches, but I don't see a team that's Playing for Phil Neville or or badly, like, I don't just I don't see it. I don't see that from well, they've this. They've had their of moments. They? I mean, they
1: have. Had, they have. The, the last few weeks have not been great at all, and that's when they they've got they would you know they need it. They've been going downhill rapidly, but you know they had some moments early on when we were like, wow, you know this this is going to be good. There's passion there and all this sort of stuff, and then they started doing terrible. And he's like, mm, we're not you know we're not so sure now. He knows that it's the rest was him. That's the job, isn't it? That's why they appointed him. And, and there's no you know he's the, he's the guy in charge, so it, it, it does rely on him. But, you know, the squad, he just hasn't got a good squad to deal with, has he? So he has to use his coaching acumen, of which is, you know, he's you know, developed over the last few years, um, to try and get himself out of the hole this squad should not be 13th place in the eastern conference i don't care not a good you know. squad though is it it's not an amazing, i mean it's not a brilliant squad is it, it they haven't got many options there. i mean
0: it didn't stop Jorge hermans from saying when we did the, when we went to the jersey unveiling that you know he wants he expected or the goal was to finish top 3 in the eastern conference they're they're bottom 3 in the eastern conference they're complete opposite of where they they thought they could be or what they they were stating publicly so i mean again i don't I don't, I don't think this is a great team i think it's a it's a flawed team very uh imbalanced team but it shouldn't be 13th place in the in the in the eastern conference
1: how how does someone like orlando their recruitment i know they've been going i know they've been around longer but you know their recruitment over the last couple of years compared to miami's is sort of night and day isn't it
0: sure but miami has the highest payroll in in the league so they're investing
1: they're investing but they're investing in the the wrong players which is well
0: Again, but this team should not be 13th place. Should not be no, in 13th no, no, place, no. and that that to me Sorry. is not only a reflection of players not not performing. I think that's also speaks to the job Phil Neville is doing and needs to improve upon. Um, because I think he even said it himself. You know, that when they come back from this two week break, there's there's going to be a lot of games in short span, and he, I think he said the next four to five games will really determine whether Inter Miami has a shot at making the playoffs. That's you know that's what his words were. Um, big big games. But, Yes, and I I wanted to touch on the attack a little bit more because I think the team in general lacks profundity and depth. Now, when I say depth, I don't mean options on the bench. I mean attacking depth, ability to penetrate that final third, get in there, and make things happen. Because if you look at the stats, obviously they've been shut out, right? We we know that. But if you look at the stats of the last five games, Inter-Miami has finished with three shots on target versus CF Montreal, three shots on target in the 2-1 loss to Orlando City, one shot on target in the 1-0 loss to D.C. United, three shots on target in the 3-0 loss to D.C. United before that, and one shot on target in a 1-0 loss versus the Chicago Fire. Those numbers clearly state and show on their own that Inter-Miami does not create enough. I think a problem has been Rodolfo Pizarro has not played much in this stretch because of injury, because of an injury, and I think him getting back in there even with his over-dribbling and his poor decision-making at times, and as frustrating as he can be to watch or to probably play with if you're his teammates at times, they need him in there because they need more creativity. They're just not getting enough. I think they, need, not to, getting they enough need to from sell him,
1: really, don't they? That's, that's what they're yeah. going to do. I mean, that's... Yeah.
0: But if but that, that, that also, you know, that's going to come down to negotiations. Right now, he's on the roster. And right now, they don't have somebody else. They need... Him to play and they need him to perform. I and mean, look, I think he's going to play, just like I think Gonzalo Higuain is going to play in two weeks. Because let's, let's listen to this quote from Phil Neville after the loss, after this loss to CF Montreal, and hear what he had to say, because it sounds like they're coming back into the lineup during this next stretch.
1: And those players that, that are now have been brought to the club to, to produce moments of magic, to produce match winning performances, to produce match winning crosses, the players that we expect to do that now have to deliver. And, uh, and that's what the demand will be on, it's unacceptable. We have to now deliver uh, and that's not a threat, that is just reality of where we are at this moment in time. We, uh, we are losing too many games and uh, we now need to stand up, every single one of us, myself included, myself, more, more than anyone, to make sure that we're all absolutely better. And uh, you know, I think that's why I took the job, I took the job because it was a massive challenge and, uh, and we're gonna make sure, we've said in the, in the dressing room at the end, we won't fail. This, this, this football club has to succeed and, uh, and we will. Uh, and I'm convinced of that.
0: Steve, listening to that, it sounds like Gonzalo Higuain and Rodolfo Pizarro. To me, that's my, my read on it. They're coming back in. They're going to come back into the lineup and that they're going to have to perform just as designated players need to perform in this league. That could take away, though, from some of the attitude and fight and hard to play against Qualities that Inter Miami has adopted over these last few weeks, because Gonzalo Higuain, he's on a fitness program, he's and he's not going to give you the type of running and fighting and hold-up play that Julian Carranza does. And I mean, I think you even saw that in this game when he came on in the second half. Gonzalo Higuain, although he wasn't playing up top, he was playing as a like kind of an attacking midfielder, joint number ten in a WM formation, the three-two-two-three. He was taking up deeper spots, trying to playmaker or create. If, if he's going back into the lineup, I imagine it's with him going to be up top, but and I don't know. I don't know if that's going to help the team. It could help the team in the attack, but it might hurt them on the defensive side. So, I mean, what do you think? Do you think they, they should come back in? Uh, is that the next move Phil level has to make? Because right now it's not working with what he's done.
1: No, I mean, it depends on fitness, I guess, for, for Higuain, doesn't it? And, um, and also, you know, Pizarro said he was injured. There was suggestion said that he wasn't as injured as he thought. So um yeah, I mean it's they're good I think they're good options for him to have off the bench. If they're gonna be building for to even to have Iguain back but not to have Bizarro in the team moving forward, then I guess this gives an opportunity to try and, you know, blood a lot of new players. He does like Jay Chapman, um, you know, and try and diff a different system where Bizarro you know, it doesn't really, doesn't really fit into it. So they're good options to have off the bench. Um, potentially there could be some transfer movement between Pizarro and some clubs in Mexico within the next month. So I'm told. So, and then, you know, Higuain's work. Iguain's working on his fitness, but he's not at the level yet which they want him to be at. So that's a, that's an ongoing issue. And then, you know, how happy is Iguain that he's been been dropped in the first place. So he has problems with those two players in particular, and, that, and, that, and that's that's not great when they're your two best players. And then Matweedy is flickering into life and showing some good performances. But, um, you know, I guess that's one sort of crumb of comfort. But he's, you know, he's, I mean, he's not, hasn't been fantastic at all, has he? So, and that's a rare, decent performance from him. So, but he, you know, he kind of knows that, Phil never knows that he can do it, but has, has he still got the legs? So he has problems with all three DPs, which is affecting the team
0: so but would you would you put them back in the lineup? do you expect that to be the move he does when they return and they play the New York I don't think so I don't
1: think with Pizarro I think if Higuain's fit he plays of course if he's fit enough he plays so let's see how how Higuain's fitness is improving in the next two weeks if he's working hard enough to get back in the the proof will be in the team sheet
0: so you think Higuain likely to come back Pizarro into the lineup, Pizarro now yes
1: yes Rodolfo on the bench
0: if you put all right, so I'll ask you this and then we'll, we'll, we'll change the subject if Higuain comes in, are you putting him up at top at the nine or are you putting him at, at the 10? Because so my question to you would be, based on what you're saying, is where does the creativity come from then? Because you can put Gonzalo Higuain at the nine, but if the ball's not getting to him, because the team has mm-hmm. issues getting into that final third and penetrating that final third, you look at the heat map actually, if, if you guys want to go and look at it. I posted it on Miami Total Football's Instagram account against Orlando City, the game where they were up 1 0, a great goal from Gonzalo Higuain from distance, from far out. Again, it's not plays that are being constructed and finished off or created in the final third. These are, and if that whole heat map, it's all dark except for the final third. Like There's almost nothing in the final third except for the right flank, which is where Lewis Morgan and Kelvin Leardam attacked. But the final third is, by and large, just empty space. Inter-Miami does not get there. So if you start Gonzalo Higuain, you, uh, Steve Brenner, where would you put him? Is he a 10 or is he going up top at the nine?
1: Well, he is a nine, isn't he? I mean, I don't know if he, he... And then we do see him dropping deeper. I mean, you know, strikers in the past have... It's sometimes natural for them just to become to play a bit deeper. Think of, um, you know, uh, Wayne Rooney did that. When he just, you know, he just would go deeper and deeper. In the end, he wouldn't be a striker at all. He'd be he'd be like that sort of a number 10 or roaming around. But uh, Higuain's the best player on the team. So they have to try and find a way to... To utilise his skills the best. Obviously, he's got to be fit. We just mentioned that, but um, if he's able to play in that role, I mean, it, it depends. I prefer him up top, really, and then um, just trying to get the balls into him. But they can't get the they can't get the balls into him. So then he invariably does does drop back. So that's the yeah. that's the problem.
0: But yeah, which is why I think they're both coming back in, especially when you, when when Phil says those players that have been brought to the club to produce moments of magic. He says those players, so it's more than one. Well, he wants, them, think, to, think, he wants
1: think, them to, give him, you know, to take a few headaches That's what I'm away saying, but, but I, they're but I think they're both coming in.
0: I think they're both coming back into the lineup. I think he's going to give them another opportunity. That's just what I think. We'll I know, see what, they we'll, perform, see, we'll, we'll see in a week and a half.
1: If they perform well over the last sort of you know two months, then he wouldn't be in this position in the first place, would he? So um, you can sure, understand but the players he. he ha- you know.
0: But the players he's putting in now aren't working either, right? So it's no, so no, he, no. he needs to, he needs to revert back to them, give them a chance, see what they can do. Because what's work, what's happening now on the field is not working either, and they're, they're losing and getting shut out. One thing that I think could help Inter Miami is improving their set pieces because this season they have one goal. On a set piece. That was the free kick back in Week 2. Federico Higuain crossed it to Gonzalo Higuain. For that headed goal against the Philadelphia Union. But besides that. They haven't scored off of set pieces. This year t- penalty kicks aside. No goals from corner kicks. That's a trend that we talked about last year. And that has continued into this year. The The weirder part. Or the more confusing part. Is that Inter Miami on it's technical staff. Phil Neville has a designated Set piece, set piece specialist. His name is Mark Mason. He's also the goalkeeping coach, or the director of goalkeeping. Excuse me. Why is Inter Miami not scoring off set pieces? Why do you think it is? What's going on there? Because if you're 11 games into the season you just have one goal off of a off of a free kick, not off of corner kicks, that's clearly an issue. Especially you know that's something that could help this team create goals, create chances. Open games up for you. Why are? Why do you think they're not scoring goals from, from
1: corner kicks? No, I, I, no idea. I mean, I guess, like I said, Lewis Morgan. his you know, he was good on assists last week. His free kicks last season were good. I haven't analysed his free kicks productivity like you have, um, but I mean, clearly it hasn't been as good. You know, Gonzalez Perez is strong in the air. Figal is pretty strong in the air, um, but then I guess Iguay maybe, but then you know, Matuidi. They're not. They're not like a big. They're not a big team, are they? In terms of you know phys- physicality, really, um, you know, Grigory. I mean, yeah, Gregory's they've not.
0: Got, they've got. They've got. Gonzalez Pires Figal, Ryan Shawcross played for a yeah. few games. Brec Shea's not a small guy. So they have enough weapons in there where they yeah. should be doing better. Now, when we talked about the last year, it was something I I went into in depth analysis on. Went through like most of the games. I remember putting out a video on YouTube and saying, Hey, Diego Alonso. I... You know, I respond to your, to your task that you gave me in a press conference by saying, look at all the set pieces we've done, and you know we've done a good job by and large, we've just been unlucky. My, one of the biggest takeaways I had was, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez is the only consistent threat with the type of conviction, the type of timing, the type of aggressiveness needed to win those aerial balls, those 50-50s in the box. And he's, again, been, again, from my eyes, and I haven't done an in-depth analysis this season, but from what I remember, from what I've watched, what I've viewed, he's still the only one that does so. Ryan Shawcross does not get on the end of things and, and come close to scoring. Neither does Nicolas Vigal, neither does Breck Shea. I'm not, I don't know if Lewis Morgan's delivery hasn't been good. It might be time to maybe switch it up and give somebody else a shot. But clearly, whatever they're doing is not working, and that's also hurting their ability to score goals and win games. Because you can play ugly and be down 1-0, or a game can be 0-0, and if you can get a set piece that opens up the game for you, that opens up the opponent that has to come out and play a little bit more, that opens in spaces behind, that you can hit on the counter, you can score. Not scoring on set pieces is, I'm not saying it's the only reason this attack is as poor as it is, but it is a big contributing factor, and they need to figure that out, because they have a set piece specialist on the staff, and we've seen different wrinkles in recent weeks. I think Phil Neville and the staff have kind of realized, look, it's not working what we're doing. Let's try to come up with different ideas. We've seen them go, you know, have the fullbacks go up into advanced positions and receive low passes off corner kicks to whip in crosses from deep to try to catch the defense by surprise. Hasn't really worked out. I've actually been kind of surprised by that decision because Inter Miami hasn't executed it very well. We've seen a lot of long throw-ins now. Um, from the fullbacks when Inter-Miami gets into the final third just to kind of create havoc in the box, see if a ball falls to them. Um, but again, it's just by and large not working. In this game against CF Montreal, they had a free kick from the right. Lewis Morgan looked like he was going to cross it in, and he took tried to take a shot to the near post on the ground to surprise the keeper, and, and it didn't work. The, the keeper made a good save, uh, or an easy save, routine save, and that was one of Inter-Miami's three shots on target. So they need to improve in that facet of play because that is definitely, definitely hindering them.
1: Yeah, it just, you know, it's symptomatic of the team just not, not playing well, not functioning well on all different different levels. So it's something they really have to, have to sort out.
0: So last thing I'll touch on here, because it's not about this game, it's looking ahead, and this is breaking news here uh, that will be coming out on sbisoccer.com shortly, but by the time you're listening to this, the story will already be out. Inter-Miami will have another attacking option, sources have told me, that Inter Miami is signing Indiana Vasilev from Aston or I was about to say in Spanish, from Aston Villa. Not sure if it's a loan deal or an outright signing, but he's a forward slash midfielder who has previous youth U.S. men's national team experience. He was on the 2019 under 20 U.S. men's national team. He hasn't played a whole lot at Villa since signing with them. He's gone on loan spells to Burton Albion and Cheltenham Town. So clearly a young player. He's 20 years old looking to find his way in the professional settings. Probably needs a change of environment. inter will be that place for him. How much we can expect from him, I'm not sure. I'm not that familiar with him from a performance standpoint, but it's another option Phil Neville will have for the rest of the season. So, Steve, let's leave it there. We have our Q&A session to get to. And I know you're getting ready to put on your England hat and probably drink a few pints. So we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with our Q&A session after this. All right, Primo, it's Q&A time. Let's start because we have quite a few of them. The first one I think is a really, 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 really good question. It comes from Twitter. No profile picture, just Twitter. Which is worse, the five-game losing streak Inter-Miami had under Alonso at the start of last season or the five-game losing streak under Neville one-third into this season? Also, which player does Inter-Miami CF miss the most from last season? My answers are the Neville streak and Ben Sweat. Steve, which five game losing streak is worse?
1: In terms of beauty, or in terms of the results they suffer? I mean the Diego Alonso one. Remember that was also in the those first games where MLS is back, isn't it? So, oh no, the last his, the last two two games of that run, three games.
0: The last three. The yeah, yeah. yeah last the first three. two. The first two were the you know the game against LAFC yeah. and then the DC and I'd United. Probably
1: say, I'd, I'd probably say i probably no. This this recent losing streak, just because. We thought they kind of turned the corner, they had a rough start, then they, they won a couple, and then they were looking good, and then it sort kind of progressed. So yeah, I'd say this one.
0: I 100% agree that this one, and I don't, even think I don't even think it's close, I think this one is by far and away the worst losing streak. Because last year it was a team that was coming together, they didn't even have two designated players on the roster, they only had one in Rodolfo Pizarro. And everybody, everything was still coming together. There was a pandemic that hit in the middle of this five game of that five game losing streak, and they were scoring some goals. They scored against DC United. Probably could have won that game if not for Roman Torres' red card. They scored against Orlando City. They scored against the Philadelphia Union. So they had some moments at least. there in this one, they're not scoring by and large, and they're playing pretty poor soccer. Not much to hang your head on and say. Well, look, there's reasons for optimism. So this one. For me, is absolutely the worst. Losing streak. Which player does Inter Miami miss the most from last season? I mean, there's not that many players that are gone. Uh, yeah. But uh I would say based on, I mean, I think he means just players that have d- departed um, for other clubs or other areas. I mean, there's not that many. Will Trapp, there's Ben Sweat, there's Andre Reyes, but I mean, none of them really I, I would say Inter Miami's missing a whole lot right now. Ben Sweat maybe because of his ability to get forward, although he was a big liability defensively. We'll see what happens when Kieran Gibbs comes in. Maybe he can give them a little more balance in terms of getting into the attack and maybe some some defensive, some better defensive cover as well. So that that's the first question. Next question comes from Jose Martinez. This team has no identity. Horrible spacing. Consistently struggles with the high press. No juegan a nada, which means they play zero like they don't play well um we lost the possession battle each game and this point we're forced to celebrate a simple shot on goal so not a question i guess more of a comment and he actually does touch on something that we didn't talk about uh on the on the previous segment that i meant to that i meant to bring up because something i wrote for sbisoccer.com after the game when i rewatched it was how poor the spacing was between the lines If you look at the game again, especially in that first half, Inter-Miami gave up a bunch of chances before they ended up conceding in the 41st minute. Now, why that was, one of the reasons was the spacing was awful, awful, terrible. The front six, which is the midfield line and Julian Carranza, they were all in a higher block up the field, and the defensive line was withdrawn in a deeper position in its own half, and there was just this big space in the middle of the field, between the lines, that allowed CF Montreal to play into, to play through. That's one of the reasons how the goal comes to be. They start knocking it around from left to right into that space, and it was just that that that's inexplicable to me. That is 100% for me on Phil Neville because the team should be on the same page. They should be moving together on the field. In different moments, can can the structure, or the posture break because of how plays happen? Sure, but. To come out from the first minute to minute 45 with this, un, I don't know if the, the message didn't get across or it wasn't clear enough or I don't know. You, could, you know, If it was one player, you could say, all right, that one player just didn't produce. But when it's complete lines of the team that are just not on the same page, that are not in sync, that's a coaching issue. that And that needs sure. to be corrected because th- that shouldn't be happening. That should not be happening at this level with this team. Um, I, I think that, that that's pretty head scratching and mind boggling that, that that happened. I don't I don't know if you have any thoughts for why that was or why that happened. Because this team in the previous two matches had you know had been on the same page by and large. They were tough to to create chances against. Orlando City didn't create a whole lot until the end of the game when, when they win it at Drive Pink Stadium. So what, you know why do you think that happened here? Why why? What's an explanation for
1: yeah, that? Yeah, no, no idea. I mean, I guess the players just not taking on the you know what they were asked, or the the coaching staff just not noticing it from the sideline because that other stuff was going on. I mean, yeah, you always want they showed England. Yet yeah, the England match against Ukraine, they have got Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips were the two holding midfielders, and every time England went forward, you knew that they were there. Both of them were there sweeping up everything that that, that came. If anything that came from, from it in front of them towards them, they'd be able to clean it up. So, you need that structure, and that's why they've been so, so successful. So, um, yeah, I'm sure that's something they're going to have to have to look at, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's just, it's just confusing to me that that happens in a game 11 games into the season because it's not a team that's getting know to know each that other.
1: Teams don't play well, they haven't got confidence, they're all a bit all over the place. You know, people don't know what they're doing. I mean, you know, it's, it's just it's not. Yeah, but you normally, you want
0: listen, you can, you can play poor soccer, but normally the team. Wants to move together, right? Normally, you try to keep your lines as tight as possible when you're in a defensive posture, so that you don't give the team, the, other, the opposing team, space to play in and play through and um, make it easy for them to break you down. Whereas here, that that to me, that picture, that visual is as alarming as anything I've seen this season because that 11 games into the season is shows a team that's not on the same page, not on the same page. So. We'll see if Inter Miami corrects that because that absolutely cannot continue if this team wants to get anywhere close to sniffing a playoff spot. Next question comes from Lloyd Halebrun. He has two, one's a little more snarky. It says, could they actually score in a brothel? The next one says, so did they actually accomplish anything by benching the DPs? Primo, you can start there.
1: I mean, yeah, in terms of the DPs, I mean, yes, because he... He has to get those those players right. So Higuain getting him right physically. And for Bizarro, you know, I guess they you know they want to move him on so they can free, free up a spot so they can do something else with, you know, that money. So um I think he's I think he's done everything he can with him, really.
0: I think it accomplished the message being sent that levels need to be raised. I think it accomplished that. Obviously the results haven't picked up, but maybe that lights a fire under Gonzalo Higuain and maybe For Rodolfo Pizarro as well. We'll see. But maybe that, you know, at least the message has been sent that no one is above the team. At least that message is loud and clear. Although, obviously, you would want the results to be better. Next question comes from Big88. And again, this is a family show. So I will not say the curse words in your tweets. But I will replace them with nicer words. Let's face it. This season is in the crapper. We got three DPS, one smoked cigarettes, one plays for Mexico only, and the other one is just washed up. This team is a joke. I mean, it's definitely not in a good way. Like we've said, the team's not in a good way. I don't see very many reasons for optimism from the outside based on what we've seen. I don't see very much good soccer. Like Jose Martinez said in the previous question, no juegan a nada. Yeah, you don't see a team that combines well you don't see the little triangles around the field to triangulate and and pass through the opposition not a lot of one two passes or wall passes however you you label them it's not a team that plays doesn't doesn't offer very much in the attack doesn't offer very much when it has the ball which is uh, a a big concern for me Steve you don't think it's going to improve or you think it can improve
1: I think it can yeah it can improve they just need to the DP situation is just really hurting them. But we've been talking about that for months. You know, that's, that's always been the problem. So.
0: <laughs> Next question comes from Sal Paradise. Gonzalo is our only goal threat and best player on the team. Phil needs to find a way to get him the ball in good positions. Why not switch to a four four two and give him a strike partner to help him out? Carranza, Robinson, or Mitch Curry? Love the pod. Been listening since episode one. Like it four four two.
1: I was ridiculed last season for suggesting <laughs> such an out of date thing. Yeah, two up front, Iguain, and yes, I actually was thinking before Yeah, uh, Mitch Curry seems to be doing okay. You know, maybe they could throw him in at some at some point. A little, yeah, different option, on, different op strike option. Him and Iguain together, the dream team could happen. Why not?
0: I mean, look, we've seen the four four two defensively from this team. I don't think we'll see the four four two in terms of the attacking posture because again. You don't have the wingers—you have one in Luis Morgan, although he's, his, his performances, his level of performances have dropped. You don't have the wingers on both sides of the ball that can create for those two strikers up top. You need you need to have an ability to create if you're going to put two two forwards up top. Um, and as we've seen, this team can't do that. So I can't imagine they go with two strikers um, because that puts more of an emphasis on the midfield line to create. And with five, they're not even able to create. So I don't think we'll see that. Um at least from an attacking posture, from an attacking structure. Next question comes from, from Elder Barr. Can Mas buy Beckham's portion of the club and sack him and his crew out of the club? Also, can Gregory and Makun play together with Pizarro and Gonzalo in front of them and Carranza as the nine? Your thoughts? So more, more tactical, formational questions. People looking for answers from a formation standpoint because everything we've seen as of late, like we keep reiterating, is not good enough. So could this work with Gregory and McCoon? In the middle, and Pizarro and Gonzalo as joint number tens. Uh, I mean, I, I don't. I haven't seen a whole lot from Christian McCoon. I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen a whole lot from him uh, in terms of with the ball at his feet. Now he's put in some respectable, serviceable performances at left back in terms of doing the defensive job. But I, I haven't seen enough from him with the ball to say put him in into the center of the field where you're going to get a lot of touches inevitably because that's just um, where the ball ends up a lot of the time. So. I don't know if that look would work, um, not opposed to the idea of Gonzalo and Pizarro as joint number 10s with Carranza in front of them, but that probably takes away a good bit of the defensive side of the team and the effort and fight and um, ability to press and whatnot.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, imagine if there was a time when Pizarro and Iguain were at the peak of their powers and they were both of them absolutely on fire and teaming up and you know Pizarro feeding Higuain time and time, and that's... <laughs> That's what would make the team tick, isn't it? That's why they were paid the big money to come in and sort of change the team dynamic. But because they're doing badly now, relies on the other guys to come in and bail them out, and the other guys aren't on that level. And it's just, um, yeah, it's just It just hurts the team so badly.
0: Uh, let me let me ask you let me ask you this, Steve. What would you do? Like what for? Like give me the formation. I know you touched a little bit on Gonzalo Higuain coming back in but not be but what would you what would your lineup be like if you had to win a game tomorrow with the team that you have right now what would your lineup be
1: I mean you you I guess you you'd I would keep maybe going off the on the bench uh, I don't know it's just it's so it's, it's, it's so difficult because of the, the lack of options I guess um maybe I don't know go back and exactly what I said before and throw them throw them both in and just give them one one last chance to see if it works I don't know um <laughs> Okay. You know, well, they're it's, they're, it's loo- they're losing
0: an option. They're losing Kelvin Leerdam, who I liked. What I've seen from him, by and large, at uh, right back since he's gotten back into the lineup. They're losing him because he's going with Suriname for the Gold Cup, so he'll be out for probably the next game, if not more than that. Um, Kieran Gibbs and Nick Marsman are expected to arrive very soon. Phil Neville said that he expects them both to be available for the next game against the New York Red Bulls so on July 17th. Right?
1: I don't think uh, I don't think Kieran Gibbs is going to be available for that one. But, lead, but the keeper is keeper is.
0: Oh, you don't you don't think so? Okay, because Phil Neville on the on the weekend said he expected them to be available. He expected Robbie Robinson to be healthy and back for that one as well. But you don't think Kieran Gibbs? Have you heard something on that end? Or it's just just a gut gut feeling there.
1: I think he expected him to be, but he's he's not going to be. Gibbs won't be in in the squad for the next game.
0: That's yeah, that's that's tough for them. Then tough for them because. They need all the help they can get. Last question. Uh, It comes from Dos Nose. Big fan of the podcast. What happened to Felipe Valencia? Haven't seen him play for Fort Lauderdale CF. Also, when is Gibbs coming in? And can he play maybe the left wing position? See, so we kind of jumped the gun there because we have a question about Kieran Gibbs. Um, As far as Felipe Valencia, I had heard he had suffered an injury earlier in the the year. And that that limited him or that prevented him from, from participating But why he's still not playing now, I'm not sure. I will definitely look into that because it is a bit curious that he's not getting much playing time with Fort Lauderdale. Um, As for Gibbs, I don't think he's going to play that left wing position. I I don't think so. I think he's a left back. He'll provide some of those marauding runs, those overlapping runs from the back. But again, uh, he's a a defensive-minded player, a player with defensive qualities. That's his. Those are his strengths, not necessarily getting into the attack and creating things on a regular basis. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, lo- I love it, Primo's one-liners. Um, okay, Steve. That... I agree with everything you've just said. Yeah. Uh, but e- you're right. You don't go. England will lose the semifinal. Do you agree with that? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, Steve, that does it for the Q&A session for this week. Give us your final thoughts. I'll give mine, and we'll wrap up the show after that.
1: Yeah, you know, I, de- I definitely think that you know when the, the loss last weekend was just disappointed, just because it was it was like a complete rerun from everything we've seen in the last few weeks. I just think, yeah, again, they've they've got a break now, a couple of weeks to to, to regroup and see if they can go again, and maybe by you know in the next couple of weeks, some transfer stuff could be sorted out, and they can get the fresh faces in that maybe they need. So a lot of work for Phil Neville to do
0: my final thought and i have two one's inter miami related one is not one's for you lloyd halebrun you had asked about the palm beach county lack of local tv deal i haven't found out why they that deal didn't get made from the start but i've heard that it is in the works that they're trying to get something done fairly soon for that part of the tri-county south florida area so at least maybe some positive news in that regard. They're working on it. Still trying to figure out why that wasn't there from the jump, though. Um, but my other thought, not Inter-Miami related, is that Peru had a heck of a run. It's been awesome to watch them uh, compete and do uh, a deep run at this Copa America. The, the penalty kick shootout against Paraguay, was uh, that game was the best game of the tournament. Very wild, very nervy um, from a neutral perspective. I'm sure it was a lot of fun just because of all the twists and turns and thrills um, that happened in that game. So, been fun to watch Peru. Hopefully they win on Friday against Colombia. I know that there's some Colombian listeners on this pod, but Obviously, I'm of Peruvian descent, so I've got to say, well, Peru. but that does it for this week's pod. Thank you guys so much again for listening. We'll be back next week to preview the next game against the New York Red Bulls and see if Inter Miami can get out of this funk, out of this losing streak, and can start scoring some polls to give you guys something to cheer about. For Steve Brenner, I am Franco Panizo. We will talk to you guys again next week.